is war in the spirit. Your God-given, God-guided resource for all things truth and all things kingdom based on the word of God and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Stay tuned for this week's spiritual truth. Worship is a lifestyle. You were originally designed to be a spirit, a son, a daughter of God. Hey, spiritual warriors. Welcome back to War in the Spirit podcast. This is Faith Coffin Green back for a brand new episode of War in the Spirit. It's probably been a couple weeks since I've recorded an episode and this is one that God gave me a few weeks ago and I, he just told me to just kind of put it in my back pocket because it wasn't time yet and um a day or two ago he was like all right it's time to to record that podcast so you are tuned in for season number eight episode number 10 entitled doomsday preppers so before i get started just a little housekeeping um a reminder for those of you who listen to my audio podcast, I'm also doing a video podcast. So each episode you can find in video on Spotify. Um, but in those of you who are watching via video and want audio, you can find it on all of the normal podcast platforms, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Stitcher, um, still Spotify, Anchor. Um, so just a little housekeeping to remind you, if you want to see the video podcast, you can find it on Spotify or on my YouTube channel at War in the Spirit Live. All right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's jump in for this episode. So as I was preparing for this, you know, I was thinking about that. I actually ran across an episode of that show, Doomsday Preppers. And if you guys have never seen it, you know, it's it's people who are hypersensitive about the end of the world or like uh, uh, catastrophic events like war and those kinds of things. And so they they uh, some of them live in bunkers. Um, and they're constantly worried about being stocked up in case something catastrophic happens so that we have to shift and, and go underground. So that kind of, uh, passed by an episode of that. I think it was yesterday and I was like, it's time to release this episode. So I just want to start by, um, <clears throat> reading the Merriam Webster definition of doomsday and it's defined as a day of final judgment, a time of catastrophic destruction and death. And then Doomsday Prepper is known as a popular term for a person preparing for the end of the world, unique in their beliefs, motivations, and strategies. Preppers go to any lengths to make sure they are prepared for any of life's uncertainties. And so, you know, as God gave me this message, he was speaking to me about the end times. And clearly, if you if you if you read the word of God and you've been paying attention to what's been happening in the earth, you'll know that we are in the end times. And it just made me think about how are we preparing for the end times, because we know that the end times means that at some point Jesus is going to return. And how many of us are actually prepared for that day when he does return? And so I want to dive into that today. 
So, you know, whenever I think about the end of the world, the end times, of course, it always brings to mind Revelation. And, you know, I've studied the book of Revelation in depth oh, quite a bit, you know, here and there, back and forth. God will send me there. And, um, you know, as I read it, the way that I see it is it's like a wave of events in which God is progressively more aggressively compelling the people to come back to the kingdom. So, you know, when we when we when we first in the beginning of Revelation, we see um the, the warning to the to the seven churches and it's basically God saying all right this is what's out of alignment this is what you need to repair and this is what's going to happen if you don't and so when I think about this when I think about the end times I think about waves like literally like waves on the ocean so think about the tide rolling out so it's like you know the tide rolls out and then a wave of something rolls in and when I think about Revelation, a lot of people are afraid to read Revelation. I've had people specifically tell me that they don't like reading Revelation because it's scary. But here's the thing. If you're prepared, meaning you're spiritually in alignment with God's will and you're sure of your salvation, what are you worried about? What are you afraid of? And I, I know a lot of people don't like to teach on Revelation either. You know, you don't hear a lot of pastors that are teaching on Revelation, but it's so important that we understand. And I think that people are afraid of revelation because of all of the things that are occurring. But here's the thing. God is using all of those events to compel the people to turn back to him. So it's not necessarily a scary thing. The root of the root of it is love because God is willing to go to any lengths to get us to come back to him so that we don't perish eternally. That's that's the thing is that if if you don't get your life right before Jesus comes back, you're going to perish eternally. And so when I look at Revelation, it makes me think about a wave of like a tide rolling in. So it's a tide of something. God is sending a storm to gather people up and to compel them to come back to the kingdom so that they don't get left behind. So it's like a wave rolls in and then certain people respond and certain people don't respond. The people that respond, they're good. All right. Now they get to cross over and then the wave rolls out. And then what happens? A bigger wave rolls in. And then certain people respond and certain people don't respond. And the people that respond, they get to cross over and then the wave rolls out and then a bigger wave rolls. And that's what that's how I see revelation. Like it's it's like a progress, like progression. Uh, it gets progressively and pro more and more progressively aggressive. <laughs> uh, uh, but I think about it as as God progressively bringing reproach so that people get into alignment, not so that we'll be afraid, not so that we're being punished, but so that to compel people, those hard-headed, stubborn folks who aren't willing to do it just on their own recognizance, 
God is like, look, I love you so much that I do not want you to perish for all of eternity. I don't want you to land in hell. I love you too much for that. So I, as a father, am willing to do whatever is necessary to get you to come back, to turn back. So whatever I got to put on you, that's what I'm going to do. And so the question is, are you a doomsday prepper? Or are you going to find yourself unprepared? Are you going to be covered? Or are you going to be washed away? That's the question. So I want to start by delving into Revelation. And I'm going to start at chapter one. I'm not going to do the whole book, but I want to talk about the seven churches and the things that God says to the seven churches. So let's look at, oh, actually, this is uh, chapter two. And I'm going to start at uh, verse two. This is where he's addressing the church at Ephesus. He says, I know your deeds and your labor and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil people. And you have put those who call themselves apostles to the test and they are not. And you found them to be false and you have perseverance and have endured on account of my name and have not become weary. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I am coming to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But you have this, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Okay, so here it is. He's like, oh, you know, you, you don't tolerate evil. And he tells them what they've done well. Um, you know, you've put apostles to the test and you found those who have been who, who, to be false. And you've persevered and you've endured on my in my name and have not become weary. He says, but you've forgotten your first love. So that says to me, now you're putting something ahead of God. We're, we're putting something ahead of God. You've forgotten your first love. I, I told this to somebody the other day. God just kind of dropped it in my spirit. And I was talking to them about capacity. You guys have heard me talk about this before and how, you know, we all want God to do something great in our lives. But and we're like, enlarge my territory, God, you know, increase me. But we don't have the capacity for God to pour anything into. And I said to somebody, um, you know, you've got God in a corner. And and so you you've taken up the capacity of the room with all these other things, with all these worldly things, with all these things that are not God. You haven't allowed him to be your first love. You've backed him into a corner. So you got him in the corner of a room that he created. You've abandoned your first love. And then the word that God gave me to say to this person was take him out of time out. That's what I think about when I think about putting somebody in a corner. It makes me think about timeout. And 
See, sometimes we're looking for God to do something in our lives. But we got him in the corner. We haven't given him room to do it because we've cluttered our lives with all these other things that don't have anything to do with God or what he desires for us to do in our lives. So we got God in the corner. So he's like, well, I'm in time out. So I guess I don't got to do nothing. You know, when you're in time out, you just sit there. And God is waiting on many of us to get in position and take him out of time out so that he can move in our lives. But we're not giving him the capacity. We have abandoned our first love who is supposed to be him. So ask yourself, in order to be a doomsday prepper, you need to bring yourself back to your first love. So ask yourself, what have you put in front of God? What have you filled your room with? What have you used to box God into a corner? Because he, he needs room. And it makes me think about how we want God to do things. And that's a word for me too. How we want God to do things in our way. It's like boxing him into a corner. He's like, well, no, I can't do it your way. I got to do it my way because I know that my way is the best way for you and for the kingdom. But we want to box God into a corner and we're like, well, God, I'm praying for you to do this and I'm asking you to do this. But then we box him into a corner. And we're like, but but you need to do it like this, God, or you need to do it in this moment, God, or I need it right now. And he's just like, OK, well, when you take me out of time out. Let me know and then I'll be ready to move on your behalf. So now let's go down to the message that he gave to the church of Smyrna. And this is still chapter two. It's I'm going to start at verse nine. It says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death, until death, and I will give you the crown of life. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. And so, you know, this makes me think about, like just said, storm, the waves, right? Um, as, as he said, some of you are about to be thrown into prison. Don't fear what you're about to suffer. And, you know, sometimes we do have to go through trials for God because they help us to find God in a greater, deeper way. This also makes me think about the wilderness where God takes the children of Israel into the wilderness and but but the the point of the wilderness is to flush out the Egypt mentality to bring you back to your place of strength. It also makes me think about um, the episode that I recorded about weight training and um, how the weight has a purpose and it's to make you stronger, just like the storm has a purpose and it's to make you stronger so that you find God in the eye of the storm. The eye is the peaceful place of the storm where everything is swirling around you and 
you don't know what to do in regard to those things. Don't focus on what's swirling around you. Focus on the center of the storm. That is where you will find peace. That is where you will find God. That is where you will find strength. That is where you will not grow weary in your weight in your storm. And so God brings tests to us, not to hurt us, but to show us who he is for us and who we are through him. And so it's so important that we understand that in order to be doomsday preppers, in order to be prepared, we have to know how to weather the storm and to know that the storm is only a test. You know, it makes me think about this um, you know, when they do the test on the TV, the emergency broadcast system, and it goes, this is a test. This is only a test. You see, sometimes things will look like they're an emergency, but they're only a test. And if you can find God, if you can find the eye of the storm, you can gain new perspective on the storm that lets you see that it's only a test and it lets you see how to navigate the storm. It also brings me to one of my favorite movies is the movie Twister. It's an old, old movie. And it's always so funny to me because I'm like, man, these storm chaser people are kind of crazy. Like who's going out there trying to chase the tornado down? But um, they are trying to chase the tornado so that they can get this machine inside the center of the tornado so that they can gather information about the tornado. So it becomes an early warning system. And it just makes me think about so that they can increase the early warning system and make the warning systems for tornadoes better. And so it just makes me think about what God is trying to do for us through a test. He's trying to show you, hey, look, if you get in the center of this storm, I'm going to show you everything that you need to know about all of these things that are swirling around you. And then when you come to that new level of perspective, guess what? You'll be able to see the enemy coming. You'll be able to read the plays a mile away. You'll be able to see what he's trying to use to oppose you. And then you'll be able to be victorious because you've got a new perspective. Okay, so now let's look at the message to the church of Pergamum. This is chapter 2, starting at verse 13. It says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold firmly to my name and did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my witness my faithful one who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. So you too have some in the same way Hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent, or else I am coming to you quickly and I will wage war against them with the sword of my mouth. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows except the one who receives it. You know, this makes me think about 
one thing that I'm always talking about, about the church. In fact, just did a podcast about this, about accountability. And um, it makes me think about how, you know, some of us will be operating in the proper space and will be fully aligned with God. But then we, we have some among us who we know are not also makes me think about the the past episode unevenly yoked so if you guys haven't listened to those please go back and listen but you know we like to believe that it's okay as long as we are aligned with God's will and we are doing what we're supposed to do that everything is going to be good but we are surrounded by things that we know are off and do not align with God's will. And we are surrounded by people who we know are misrepresenting God's word. And many of us are not willing to call it out. You want to be a doomsday prepper? Accountability is key. See, because when you know better, you do better. When you see something, you need to say something. And and it makes me think a lot of times that, you know, I, I feel like people are afraid to speak up. Like they feel like it's not their place to speak up in the church. Like, oh, well, if the leader haven't given me permission to say nothing or if I haven't checked in with them. Listen, let me tell you something. God is your ultimate leader. And if he puts it on your heart to say something, to hold somebody accountable, to do something about something. Something that you know is wrong, then it is your responsibility to do it. Because here's the thing man is man, flesh, bones, imperfections. I don't care who your pastor is, the leader is, if something is wrong, it is your duty. To say something because you are a part of the body. So each one of us, okay, God, here we go. Think about the body, right? In our body, when something is off, when something has been introduced to our body that's foreign, what happens? The white blood cells rush to that location. If you've got a virus, if you're sick, if you're ill, whatever. If you've got something like cancer, any foreign agent that comes into the body, the white blood cells are designed to attack it and eradicate it. Why? Because even though the white blood cells are part of the, the circulatory system, if something is wrong in the digestive system, if something is wrong in the nervous system, if something is wrong in the respiratory system, guess what? It affects the entire body. See, we got to be like the white blood cells in the body of Christ. That when something is off, we all rush to it because you know why? Because one person that's off and claiming themselves to be a believer, but is not operating like a believer makes the whole body look bad. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. This movie is called Osmosis Jones. And uh, my daughter loves this movie. I watch it over and over again. You see this this uh, man, the main character, and um, he works at like a zoo or something and he's gotten sick from one of the animals. And then you see all the characters that are playing parts in his body that are working to fight off this sickness. You know, and it always makes me so angry when I see things like scandal come out, things that are uncovered and being exposed in the church. And we as believers, 
Instead of protecting the church, the reputation of the church, we gossiping. We going, oh, did you hear what such and such happened? What, what happened over there at such and such church? Oh, I heard. As if we are separate entities. Oh, I heard something happened over there at Hillsong. Or I heard something happened over there at uh, Relentless. Or I heard, did you hear about that? But here's the thing. We're all one. Well, we're supposed to be one body. See, this church over there and that church over there and that church over there at the four walls of that building are not a separate entity. We are all united under God. So why is it that we will not hold each other accountable? It's like we don't want to touch anything that's off. We don't want to touch anything that we deem dirty, right? Oh, I don't want to be associated with that. But guess what? You are. You know why? Because that person over there that's involved in that situation is claiming to be a believer of the same God that you claim to be a believer of. So guess what? It does affect you. It's time for us to start holding each other to another level of accountability because we got to be the white blood cells that fight off the virus, that fight off the darkness, that fight off the, the enemy. And if we if we sitting back going, oh, that ain't my problem, but did you see what happened? The body can't be repaired. All right, so let's move on to the next message, the message to the church of Thyatira. And this is still chapter two. This is verse 19. It says, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. And she teaches and leads my bond servants astray so that they commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent and she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Man. Behold, I will throw her on the bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with plague and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan. And as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless. What you have, hold firmly until I come. The one who overcomes and the one who keeps my deeds until the end, I will give him authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are shattered. And I also have received authority from my father. And I will give him the morning star, the one who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. <laughs> So this one particularly talks about Jezebel. And when I think about this, you know, we in church, we hear the Jezebel spirit thrown around all over the place. And, and people are always like, oh, Jezebel has to be a woman. And I'm like, wait a minute. Mm -mm. It's a spirit. 
doesn't have to be a woman. <laughs> Jezebel is a spirit of manipulation. It's a spirit of immor uh, uh, falsehood. It's a spirit of Im immorality. Um, but when I think specifically about this, it makes me think about manipulation and twisting the word of God. That's the thing that fell on me as I was reading this, how we, we twist the word of God or, or we cherry pick the word of God for the things that are convenient for us, are comfortable for us. And then we leave the other parts out. We, we're not living by the full word of God. We, we, we cherry pick and we want to talk about certain things and then we don't want to address others because they're uncomfortable or we got so many issues under that thing or with that particular thing that we just don't want to address it. Why? Because a whole bunch of toes going to get stepped on or a whole bunch of people going to get exposed. And so we're manipulating the word of God, which if we're manipulating the word of God, we're also manipulating the people. See, if you're not telling the whole truth, then you're not telling the truth at all. You're, it's a lie of omission because you're not telling the fullness of what God is saying. And so many times, again, it comes back to accountability. We don't want to talk about the hard stuff, the tough stuff, the, the taboo stuff, the things that we don't want to touch. Here's the thing. It's a part of the word. See, because it's politically politically incorrect to say or talk about certain things, but we're the church. We, we're not supposed to operate politically. We're, we're supposed to operate righteously, holy, according to the word of God, Christ-like. But we are manipulating the word to make the people comfortable. We're manipulating the word to allow the people to be comfortable and to manipulate them to sow. You know, people don't want to sow on a word of reproach. People don't want to sow on a word of correction. So we keep giving them all these feel good words, making them believe, oh, God is about to do miracle signs and wonders in your life. But we're not telling them the truth of what is required for that. Prophecy is not the future. God is not a fortune teller. Prophecy is God saying, this is what I want to do in your life. This is what I want to do, but you still have the free will to accept it or not. And in order to accept it, that means you also have to accept what's required, what comes along with it. But we're not telling the people the whole truth. So many things in God's word come with contingencies, but we don't want to talk about the contingency. We just want to talk about the end result. And then we and then people out here wondering why God ain't showed up to manifest that. But and then we get in this space of where we like, well, I'm manifesting for myself. I manifest this in the law of attraction, that and all this mess. That ain't God. Manipulation. Twisting God's word. Sexual immorality. That's the thing that we don't want to talk about. Oh, that's the thing that we don't we, we don't want to touch. 
We we just throw people out and go, mm, you out of order. Mm, I ain't trying to address this. Why? Because it's a sticky situation. Why? Because you're not bold enough to stand firm on what God's word says. Why? Because you don't want to ruffle no feathers. Why? Because you don't want to make people uncomfortable. Guess what? Sometimes that's the play. That's what's necessary in order to bring correction. Some sometimes when when we got a broken walk, when we got a broken leg, we we got to they got to go in and do surgery. And sometimes your legs got to be broken in order to fix the walk. They need to be reset to fix your walk. Makes me think about people who have um, like uneven legs. And sometimes they get their legs broken to extend the leg and correct the walk. Because you hobbling back and forth. It makes me think about straddling the fence. So part of you is on this side and part of you is on the other side. Part of you is in the church and part of you is in the world. But I'm here to tell you, you can't be both. You got to decide. And we have got to hold each other accountable. We cannot continue to manipulate and twist God's word, period. Either we're going to be all in or all out. And we have got to be willing to have the hard conversations. The thing about it is, God will give you the words to say on how to address the people when things are out of order. But we can't just turn a blind eye and just think, oh, it'll be all right. If you want to be a doomsday prepper, you cannot. You got to put that spirit of Jezebel to sleep. Too many of us know that there are things that are going on behind closed doors. Listen, when I when I got into church leadership, I found out things about leaders that I just said to God. I was like, God, I really would have been okay without knowing none of this because this is a whole hot mess. I seen and heard some leaders do some real awful things, say some real awful things, and then step out into a pulpit and call themselves going to preach the word of God out of that dirty mouth. God ain't having that no more. We got to stop manipulating the people and we have to stop manipulating the word of God. All right, now we're down into chapter three in Revelation. And I'm going to start at verse one. It says to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. I know your deeds that you have a name that you are alive and yet you are dead. Be constantly alert and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Then if you are not alert, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who overcomes will be clothed the same way in white garments 
and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, as I was reading this, um, it made me think about preparation um, and being prepared for God to show up. You know, it, it made me think about, um, he says, then if you are not alert, I will come like a thief. And this makes me think about us and how we get caught up in our day-to-day routines. And we go, oh, you know, I'll do it tomorrow. I'm going to pray tomorrow. I'm go- I got this and this and this and this. My kids got soccer practice. I, I got a meeting today. I've got this. I've got to go to work. I've got that. I've got a lunch. I've got this. I've got that. And we put God at the bottom of our list. And so many times I've heard people say, well, you know, I just don't have time to pray as much as I want. I just don't have time to read the word of God as much as I want. And I just think to myself, but you got time for everything else. You can make time for everything else, but you can't make time for God. Why is it that we put everything else on our list above him? And this comes full circle about the first message where he says, you've forgotten your first love. We are not going to be ready because every day we're like, you know what? I'm going to do it tomorrow. Or I got 10 or 15 minutes, you know, this afternoon. I'll get to it then. Or I need to do this and this and this first. I need, and it brings, it makes me think about the, the 10 virgins um, with the lamps. You know, there are five who are like, they're storing the oil, storing the oil, storing the oil. Because they're, they're like, I'm going to be prepared. And then there are other five who are like, oh, shoot. The bridegroom is coming and I ain't got no oil. Hey girl, can I borrow some of yours? And the and and the the prudent virgins are like, nah. If I give you some of my oil, I might not have enough. And then while they're off trying to gather up oil that they should have been gathering all along, it makes me think about procrastinators. It, it makes me think about people who wait till the last minute to do something knowing that there's a deadline coming. Well, I'm here to tell you there's a deadline coming and you don't know when the deadline is. So you better get to work. You 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 better succumb to the pressing. You better succumb to the pruning. You better succumb to the refining because you need to be ready when he comes back. And if you're not, he's going to shut the door in your face and say, I never knew you. We putting God at the bottom or the middle of our list And we're putting everything else ahead and saying, well, when I get time, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read more. I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to turn away from this situation or that situation. I'm going to end this relationship. I'm going to walk away from the thing that God told me to walk away from five years ago. I'm going to execute the thing that God told me to do five years ago. Whatever that looks like. 
Stop procrastinating. How arrogant of you to think that you've got time. How arrogant of you to think that God has to give you more time. He can snatch you up today. We got to stop procrastinating on God. We got to stop pushing him to the side, putting him on the back burner. You know, it makes me think about when I cook. You know, when I cook, you know, you got the four eyes on the stove. And the things that I put on the back burner are the things that I'm not really that worried about. The things that I don't have to attend to. Like, let's say I'm cooking rice. Well, I'm just going to put the rice in the water and I'm going to let it boil. And I can walk away from that and it'll be all right. Eventually, I'm going to come back and check on it here or there, whatever. And the things that I need to attend to immediately, like if I'm cooking some meat, let's say I'm frying something. I don't want that thing to burn, so I want to put it on the front burner so I can see it, so I can attend to it consistently. Or something that I need to stir consistently so it doesn't burn on the bottom of the pot. But we are pushing God to the back burner and going, I'll come back to it when I get around. Uh, It can cook a little while and then I don't have to worry about it. God needs to be the thing on your front burner that you're constantly attending to, that you're constantly going, oh, do I have what I need in this pot? Hey, do I have the right ingredients in this pot? Am I prepared for when Jesus comes back? Am I a doomsday prepper? Or am I going to be caught unprepared? All right, let's go down to the message to the Church of Philadelphia. This is uh, starting at verse 8 in chapter 3 of Revelation. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. Because you have a little power and have followed my word and have not denied my name, behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down before your feet and make them know that I have loved you because you have kept my word of perseverance. I also will keep you from the I also will keep you from the hour of the testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold firmly to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. (laughs) So here it is. Here's a message. This is this is. Man, this is basically God saying to my good preppers, to my good doomsday preppers, here's what I have to say. Those who have been following me, those who have been in alignment with my will, those who have been doing what I called them to do, those who have been an example of my word to the people, There's a reward for you. I'm opening a door for you that cannot be shut. I'm I'm addressing the enemy for you. 
I am I am showing the people, I am exposing you and showing the people that I have loved you, showing them who truly has a heart for me and who does not. This is what a rightful doomsday prepper looks like. All right. So let's look at the final message to the church of Laodicea. And this is still Revelation chapter 3, verse starting at verse 15. It says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich oh. <laughs> and have become wealthy and have no need of anything. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to apply to your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. The one who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne the one who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches so here it is this this makes me think of a people that believe that they made it that, that they've got it all together the people in the body of christ that believe well you know what i got it all god must be blessing me because i got this and i got that and i got this house and my bills are paid and i got this money and i got this platform and i got this except sometimes we convince ourselves that everything that we deem good is god and that it's a blessing but some of those things are things that the enemy dangled in front of you to keep you out of position and and that you are mating with the world you are mixing with the world which makes you what lukewarm either you're gonna be on one side or the other those of you who are not fully don't have your feet fully planted on the side of the kingdom you got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom Mm -mm. God is about to spew you or it says I will vomit you out of my mouth. But if you turn and you repent, then then I will open the door. I'm standing. I'm knocking. I'm waiting. I'm saying, hey, look, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on in the house. Come on in the house. It's time. Come on in the house. You got to get out of the darkness. You know, God gave me a word a while ago. This was probably a couple years ago. And I said and, and he said, basically, the streetlights are on. You know, when, when you, you new generation probably don't know what that means because y'all don't really play outside like that. <laughs> but when I was younger, we, we stayed outside all day and we had to come in the house before the streetlights came on because that was an indication that it was about to get dark. So God is saying, look, this, these streetlights been on and y'all ain't came back into the house. 
It's about to get dark. I'm giving you a final warning that it's about to get dark and you better have yourself back in this house before it gets dark. That's the message. Doomsday preppers, don't get caught outside the bunker. When this storm hits, don't get caught. Don't get caught out in the dark. Because you didn't come in when the street lights came on. When the warnings showed up. God has been giving us warning after warning after warning after warning. Saying, hey look, COVID was a warning. And so many people, you know, we like, oh, well, we got a vaccine. It's all good. Now let's go back to to business as usual. Let's go back to the status quo. Let's go back to normal. But, but that was a warning shot. Of God saying, hey, look, I need you to pay attention. Hey, look, it's time to come back into the house. Hey, look, I'm about to do some stuff. And, and I'm about to realize some things. And I need you to get in the house. But don't find yourself out there in the dark because you've been spewed out. Don't find yourself out there without no oil because he shut the door in your face and said he does not know you. Please don't be that person. Please don't get caught outside the banquet. Please. And it's not because he wants to punish us. Revelation is a warning of what is to come. There's a reason that he gives us warning. He gives us warning because he loves us and he don't want us to get caught out there. But at the end of the day, your decisions, you you have to face the consequences of your decisions. And if you continue to tarry, if you continue to wait, if you continue to procrastinate, you're going to be out there in the dark with everybody else. He's like, hey, look, hey, here's the warning. Hey, look, here's the warning. Because he wants you to live. He wants you to have life and have it more abundantly. Because he wants you not to perish. And it kept bringing me back to this this scripture in Psalm that says, you shall live and not die. In Psalm 118, it says, this is starting in verse 14. It says, the Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. The sound of joyful shouting and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right uh, hand of the uh, Lord. Uh, okay, Aria. Yeah, my, my baby decided she wants to ad lib. She got some stuff to say. But the Lord, the right hand of the Lord performs valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord performs valiantly. I will not die but live and tell of the works of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not turned me over to death. You see, there's some discipline coming. God is about to hand out some whoopings. He's been warning you, giving you warning after warning after warning after warning. And at the end of the day, you know, if you don't heed the warning, you get a whooping. God is about to hand out some whoopings, not because he wants to punish you, but because he loves you so much that he needs to correct you so that you do not perish eternally. Because he knows the plans that he has for your life. And his plans for your life are not for you to perish. And that brings me to Jeremiah 29. This is verse starting in verse 10. It says, for this is what the Lord says. When 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. When I think about Babylon, it makes me think about confusion. 
something that we've been trying to build for ourselves. You trying to build a, a way to get high and mighty, get your own power, get your own influence, get your own access. Whatever you've been trying to build, those broken buildings that you've been trying to build. There's an episode entitled Broken Buildings. If you go back, listen to it. Talks about this very thing. He's like, when Babylon is done, when you done being Babylon, building your own thing, then you can turn back to me. And then verse 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will let myself be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. Don't get caught out there in that dark. Because his plans for you are not for you to be in disaster, in the catastrophe, in the catastrophic things that are about to come forth. That's not his plan for your life. His plan for your life is to prosper you, but you got to choose it. You got to be a doomsday prepper. He's trying to say, hey, look, I got everything you need in this shelter. Find your shelter in me. And everything that you need is in this shelter. He is your refuge. He is your fortress. He is your shelter. He is your protector. But you got to choose him. Not bits and pieces, but all of him. All of his word. You have to accept all of God, not just the patient and kind God, but you have to accept the God of reproach too. You have to accept the refiner because he wants to prosper you. He wants you not to perish, but you got to choose to turn. You got to choose to turn. And if you choose to turn, your latter shall be greater than your former. The thing that God wants to build for you is going to be far better than the thing that you built for yourself. <laughs> this brings me to Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. It says, for this is what the Lord of armies says. Once more, in a little while, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. Again, there's a stir up, there's a storm looming. I will shake all the nations and they will come with the wealth of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of armies. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of armies. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of armies. You see, he's building a new Jerusalem. You see, he's got to tear all this old broken stuff down. That's why he's addressing everything that's wrong in his church. Look, these are the things that y'all need to fix so that I can return this house to glory. 
so that I can raise up something new. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Now is the time. It's a reckoning. He's about to shake it up. And if you don't have your feet firmly planted on the rock, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. No, all other ground is sinking sand. Baby, you going down with the ship. Have you prepared for doomsday? Are you a doomsday prepper? If you haven't been, you better get there and you better do it right now. And you better move expeditiously. Because you don't know the day or the hour when he's coming. But the signs that the time is coming near are here. We see them all over. But we too too busy asleep. Claiming we woke. But we sleep. We missing them. We're letting them pass us by. We've got our eyes and our minds and our hearts set on something else. We've abandoned our first love. You better get to be a doomsday prepper. Because doomsday is going to sneak up on you and you're not going to be ready. It's time to get back in position. It's time to get back on guard. It's time to get back on your post. It's time to walk it like you talk it. Live the word of God. Don't just read it. Don't just speak it. Live it. If it's truly hidden in your heart, then you will walk it out. That's the word that God gave me to impart to you. And I'm telling you, time is of the essence. Do not tarry.